Cruz McCalligan is here now. Good afternoon to you, Cruz. Good afternoon, Sadia. How are you today? I'm very well. You're sounding very chirpy like usual, which is great. And digging I think deep. That's what we need. <laughs> how, how are things with you? Everything okay? Oh, I, I guess it, I'm, for now, I'm touching wood as I say this. We've fortunately been COVID-free as a family. Mm. Our bubble is very small and we're just taking it day by day, as I'm That's sure it. many, many people are. That's it. That's all we can do and just trying yep. to stay positive and that's it, really. Okie dokie. So what inspired you to choose your subject as noses today? <laughs> as noses? Well, actually, um, as many people have, I we've had to do our fair share of rat tests at home recently just you know being cautious and everything else and i realized our poor noses you know between the the swab (laughs) tests and everything else our poor noses um they've been poked and prodded and everything and then you know they're they're harboring all these dirty secrets whatever it is (laughs) they don't know what Um, hit them (laughs) no and and it also made me realize it's this funny thing because everyone's masked up as they should be and it's wonderful that we are um and I realize that there are people that I've encountered over the last couple of years, like certain neighbors or certain like shopkeepers and things like that, who I don't think I've ever seen without a mask. Mm. So I've never mm. seen their nose. Mm. <laughs> and I was thinking about this recently because I remember a couple of years ago, um, still in COVID, um, someone I'd known for a few months um, through um, something that was happening in my life. And then she took her mask off to have a drink of water. And, you didn't and I was like, huh. That's her nose. Like, I had not <laughs> predicted her nose to... There's nothing wrong with her nose. But I was like, that wasn't the nose I would have thought was behind the mask. <laughs> you know, it's quite an interesting idea. Um, so, I don't know. I just, I've just had this kind of... And I love noses. I really love them. I know some people think they're disgusting, but I love them. And I especially love, like, really distinctive noses. Oh, you know what I mean? I think yes. they're brilliant. Um, my um, One of my daughters is adopted and... Um, is ethnically Chinese Mm -hmm. and she has a very different nose to me my nose like we always say she has this lovely squishy nose and mine's this kind of really angular hard Mm. nose and nothing Mm. sort of squishy and cute about my nose but her nose is really squishy and I just love the variety and the variation so there's lots of reasons I wanted to talk about noses today Sadia. Mm -hmm. Yeah I've got a little bit of a crooked nose here and I just I don't like it my husband likes it but I I just feel like you know I don't like to see my profile. But, um, but you know, that, that's some, just another subject for another day. Well, having known you before mask, Sadia, I've always thought you have the loveliest face. So I think you have nothing to be concerned about. And uh, I think it's funny because people are very critical of our own noses, aren't we? Yeah, it's because, you know, we don't, look at you, we don't look at ourselves very much. And when we do and we see ourselves in photographs, things like that, then we suddenly become very self-conscious, especially your nose, you know, because it just yes. suddenly stands out, you see. Yes, so. and I've always thought the number of people that I've known in my life known and loved for who they are and what they look like mm-hmm. and who will say oh my nose is too big my nose is too big and I thought it's so common for someone to say that they think their nose is too big maybe someone should realize that noses are supposed to be big but anyway it's just quite an interesting thing but they're quite fascinating so I thought we would talk about them in a little bit more detail today because they are not just an incredible feat of biological engineering but they keep us very safe and they do so many different tasks and you know a lot of evolution went into the nose um firstly of course um you've always we one thing that we all know we do through our noses is breathe through our noses Mm. um and actually in normal everyday breathing your nose is the primary pathway um even during exercise where mouth breathing becomes more dominant some air still passes through your nose 
So it's interesting because although your mouth is a bigger tube, uh, people feel more uncomfortable if their noses are plugged or congested, right? So mm-hmm. you have something stuck in your, you know, if you're chewing something, mm. you don't think like, oh my gosh, I'm chewing something. But your nose, if you have that little congestion feeling, it's just very frustrating. Um, but of course, no, nasal breathing is actually most critical in newborn babies who breathe through their noses almost all the time. Mm. which is really interesting. And this is because they have a unique feature related to the configuration of their throats that allows them to breathe and suckle at the same time without choking, which is just kind of one of those incredible things you never realize until someone tells you. And, of course, this doesn't happen in older children and adults. We have to stop breathing to swallow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I never thought of that, actually. That's true, especially, you know, you're breastfeeding or something. The kids, the babies are just, like, on it. Yeah, yeah, they're just going and going and going. They don't stop to take a big, (gasps) do they? They just keep going and going and going. Um, Now, of course, our noses do lots of different things to the air that we breathe. One of the things they do is prepare it for our lungs and throat, which which do not tolerate dry air well. Your nose humidifies the air you breathe. As inhaled air passes through your nose, it's moisturized and humidified thanks to a multiple-layer air pathway with three sets of turbinates. Um, These are long, bony structures covered with a layer of tissue that can expand and contract. And this path is where drainage and moisture are regulated. If you have a dry throat, it means the air in this passageway may not have been humidified. What's also interesting is this is the place where the tone of your voice is shaped as air passes through and the passage expands or contracts. So your nose and your nasal passages also have something to do with the um, the way that we speak and the sound of our voice. Um, the tamb- I want to say tam- tam- timbre. Is that a word, Sadia? I don't know. Timbre? What did you say? Timber? Timber? Timber of your voice? Yeah, um, yeah, I suppose. I'm yeah. sure. It's one strength. of words I it's haven't strength. said in 15 years. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, it also, our nose also cleans the air we breathe. So the air we breathe has all kinds of stuff in it, from oxygen and nitrogen to dust, pollution, allergens, smoke, bacteria, viruses, um, small bugs, countless other things. And our nose helps clean it. On the surface of nasal tissue, tissues in your turbinates, there are cells with tiny hair-like appendages called cilia that trap the bad debris in the air so it doesn't get into your lungs. And instead, the debris sits in the mucus and is eventually pushed into your throat and swallowed. And, like, all of that sounds very disgusting, but it's quite <laughs> amazing because it's extremely beneficial. Our stomachs can tolerate dust and stuff much better than our lungs could. So all of that stuff just goes down our throat into our tummies and goes and gets obliterated, whereas if it was to go into our lungs, it would be very damaging. It's kind of interesting. Your nose also regulates the temperature of your breath. So in the same way your throat and lungs don't like dirty air or very dry air, they don't like air that's too cold or too hot. Um, and a, um, So the passing of air through your nose allows the air to become more like your body temperature, which is better tolerated by your tissues. So warming cool air in your nose is more common than cooling warm air, right? Because that's because humans, most of the time, we're spending our environments, you know, um, in that are usually um, Mm -hmm. more often like below our body temperatures. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, the environment is not 45 degrees outside, right? So um, that runny nose that we get in cold weather is the best example of this warming and humidifying effect. It comes from the condensation of moisture in your nose when the cold air goes in, which is interesting. It's one of those things that's quite common. When I get a very drippy nose if it's very cold outside, and you always think to yourself, like, I'm getting sick. But actually, there's, like, now you realize, oh, no, it's also the condensation. Yes, <laughs> that's right. So, like, it makes sense. I know people um, are a bit worried now, suddenly, if they get a runny nose course, and stuff. Of course, yeah. of course, of um, course. 
Your nose also protects you through, obviously, its most famous function, smell. Mm -hmm. um, so high up in our nose are a large number of nerve cells that detect odours. Now, in order to smell, the air we breathe must be pulled all the way up to come into contact with those nerves. I just think of someone taking a really deep sniff of something, right? Um, and it also, of course, we know this now, that smell plays a really key role in taste. So we have our four primary tastes, bitter, sour, sweet, and salty, and all of the refinements and taste are related to smell. That's why people feel that food is tasteless when their ability to smell is decreased. And we saw this a lot with COVID, actually, mm. didn't we? Because yeah, a lot of loss of smell was a symptom, yeah. um, definitely for previous variants. And that would be people saying, look, I can eat this thing or I could drink this thing. It doesn't even matter because I can't smell it. I can't taste it, right? Mm -hmm. um, but we do need it for uh, smell and taste are very necessary for our safety. We need our sense of smell to detect things like smoke or spoiled food or some toxic poisons or gases. And I'm, I always, I, I don't trust my nose. I love my, I love my nose and everything <laughs> it does for me, but I don't trust it. Do you ever do like, I'm the kind of person who pulls something out of the fridge and I'm like, I do a sniff test. I'm like, I don't know if that smells right. Well, <laughs> People are more sensitive than others. I think people can pick it up, uh, you know, some can and some can't just smell it at all. So it depends, I suppose, is how efficient your nose is individually. <laughs> Yes, I suppose. So do you have? Do you think you have a very sensitive nose? Reasonably so. Yeah, I can kind of pick it up, and and I think it's probably because there is a reasonable amount of interaction with, like, when you're cooking and when you're doing things, then you're smelling spices and you're smelling this and you're checking if this is okay. So maybe your nose is trained to get better over time because maybe, of what I was you do. Going to say you are a very keen chef. So if there's anyone who can like discern different smells and things like that, it's definitely you. Um, so that it must be. But I mean, I wonder if it is. I mean, I often think to myself, um, I've I've got a really sensitive scent to, um, smell. But then I, when I, whenever I have to put it to the test with the back of the fridge, mm. I can't, right. it doesn't seem to follow through. Mm. Um, but fascinating. Um, a recent now they think that there are at least, obviously, more 14 types of noses. So there was a recent survey in the Journal of Craniofacial Surgery, which identified 14 human nose shapes. Mm -hmm. So they surveyed images of 17, um, 1,793 noses, and they determined that they all fell into these basic types, these 14 types, ranging from the Greek nose, right, mm -hmm. to the hawk nose, mm -hmm. um, or the most common, which was the fleshy nose. Which is the one um, spread out, is it, a little bit? I suppose so, yes, yeah. like maybe a wider nose yeah. rather than like that large hook. Yeah. Um, maybe, not, yeah, so it's it's quite, but I mean, like the variety is mind-blowing anyway, right, considering mm. they all do their function pretty effectively. Um, but many experts feel that those classifications can't possibly cover all of the variations because the nose is a complex structure made up of numerous pieces of cartilage and bone. Um, and any combination of differences in these three areas can create a truly unique appearance, which can change even more depending on whether the nose is seen in profile from the front or, mm. you know, anything else. So, and of course, nose shape is also highly dependent on ethnicity as well, which is really interesting. I just love the fact that there's so much variety mm. to this thing that we all have right smack bang in the middle of our faces, mm. you know, um, also, another thing with your nose is sneezing. So apparently there's some science to say that your sneeze style, are you a double sneezer, Sadia? I always sneeze twice. No, just one. Really? Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. Generally. I don't, um, I don't think that it comes one after the other, but yeah, usually just one. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, I always sneeze twice. I always go, a chew, 
and then at you. And it depends um, on, and when you sneeze, do you kind of like hold it in or do you kind of let it just do its thing? Oh, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very um, polite. I heard I, that. I, I cover my entire face if I'm about to sneeze. <laughs> Like okay. throw my head into a pillow or something. <laughs> I hate people who just let it go. It just, I can't handle it. There's the <laughs> in every direction. I'm like it would be, it's satisfying for you, mate, but it's not for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, but yeah, some some honk, some shout, and some just can't seem to stop. And I had a friend who used to sneeze and sneeze and sneeze and sneeze. Nothing serious. You just sneeze and sneeze. But your style of sneezing is one of the many things that makes us who, us who we are. The basic process of sneezing, which is called sternutation, usually starts when some kind of irritant from pollen to black pepper is detected by what we call the trigeminal nerve. It branches throughout the face and head to provide motor control and sensory information. This irritation t- uh, triggers a sequence of reflexes to expel the intruder. So that's that deep <laughs> inhalation followed by what we call the closing of the glottis in the throat and a buildup of pressure in the lungs and then the opening of the glottis as the diaphragm forces air up through the mouth and nose expelling the irritant right Mm. so that's a chew part that expulsion has some real power particles in an average sneeze travel 100 miles per hour so it's pretty amazing but if you think about like you know we all think it's this thing like someone goes achoo but if you actually think about the mechanics behind that process it's amazing it's so fascinating. Um, now, we uh, people always say that your nose, it's like your cartilages grow and grow and grow, right? Your nose grows and your ears grow for the rest of your life or something. I've always heard that rumor. Um, but apparently your nose grows downwards. So your overall nasal shape is formed by about age 10. And your nose continues to grow slowly until about age 15 to 17 in women and age 17 to 19 in men. But over time, the nose lengthens and droops due to the endless tug of gravity and the gradual breakdown of proteins, collagen and elastin in your skin, especially in the nasal tip. So that's what happens is your nose slowly droops down. Now, this is really interesting, (laughs) only because people are already super self-conscious about their noses. And apparently over half of all... Um, cosmetic surgeries, a rhinoplasties, are people getting their noses up, up. Lip- lifted, perhaps lifted, edited. Mm. I don't know what you say. Sliced, banged, oh, tweaked. God, I don't um, want to even think about it. To tell you the truth, I find it so um, ooh, queasy, shaped. Oh. Um, but yeah, so there's over. So in um, in the US, for example, in 2010, so it's a bit outdated, but there were more than 250,000 nose reshapings, which was only second to breast augmentation. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And um, they said that the nose job is actually incredibly difficult, um, cosmetic and functionally, because it is a surgery of millimeters. Right. It's a very delicate, small part. Really. I mean, like, it doesn't matter how big you think your nose is. It's still going to be small, isn't it? Like. so, yeah, so it's quite, but people are obviously very, very, I mean, and I guess I suppose as that collagen breaks down and your nose changes shape as you age, um, I suppose people just, it's hard to come to terms with. Mm, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, to check um, out the mirror yeah. now. <laughs> I'm going to have to go and have another <laughs> well, look at my nose. Give it a little bit of love. Give it a little stroke. Doing very <laughs> well. It's kept get you going this spot and allowed you to smell all those amazing spices when you're cooking um and that's, that's a really interesting thing about it, it like um it can detect more than ten thousand scents um you know you can 
And there's 12 million olfactory receptor cells, which is why, you know, we have so much like memory associated with smell. Like we can, you know, we have such a sense of like emotion associated with smell, all those different sorts of things, which is su super, super fascinating. Um, yes. And of course, the other interesting thing is there's things that are as sensitive as our nose is. It's unable to smell like natural gas, which is often used for heating homes and cooking, which would make a dangerous leak undetectable. So um, they actually add a compound to natural gas to give it a perceptible odor because just oh. relying, like just to know that we yeah. are, yeah. trust your nose, if you know what I mean. We yeah. should be trusting our nose. So it's kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, of course, people say that like a sense of smell is also really important for like finding love. And there's a lot of, uh, lot of literature around how the smell of someone, maybe oh, imperceptibly, yes. pheromones yes. and stuff like that, yes. is whether or not we're compatible with them or if we realize we like them or anything else that's quite interesting in that regard. Um, there's an interesting yes. thing too, I suppose, when you put perfume on, like, you know, you put it on and you actually don't, you smell it initially and you don't smell mm. it after that. But if somebody walks by, they'll say, oh, I like the perfume. So other people can smell it, but you on your own person, your nose doesn't pick it up on you, which is a bit weird. I don't, I'd like to find out what, why that happens. Yeah, I think that's a brain thing where it mm. basically, it basically tells you, like, I don't think that would be for all smells. Yeah. I think it's like if a smell is going to be hazardous, Right. Because otherwise, you know, like I know exactly what you mean. And I've had that feeling before, like, for example, being stuck behind like a rubbish truck on a hot day mm. or something. Mm. And you just think, oh, my gosh, that smell, that smell. I've got to get away from that smell. And then suddenly you think, eh, it's OK now. I can't really smell it. Mm. But I know exactly what you mean about perfume. I often think to myself, I'm wearing it for other people, aren't I? I can't smell it. After yeah. Five minutes. Yeah. It's um, really weird. It is a bit, it is a really interesting, peculiar thing. Um, but yes, but I, I think it's just to do with like whether or not that smell is a hazard for us. Otherwise, our brains would be taking up a lot of energy to warn us about it. And our noses are needed to be used for so many other things as well. But I can't say that I've ever smelt something so horrific and toxic and dangerous that it's that you weren't able to stop smelling it, if you know what I mean. Mm, mm. Um, well, I suppose there are times where sometimes you, I can't, I'm just trying to think. Some, yeah, I remember when I was pregnant, I w walked by the shop where there was the smell of deep fat. And I tell you, that smell would not get out of my mind. It was just, it was just in, in there, you know, and it didn't go away. So I don't know, sometimes your, your nose, your brain just remembers the smell and keeps it in there. It doesn't oh, stay definitely. with you in your nose as such. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I think it's very interesting. I have three quotes to finish on okay. today, mm -hmm. Sadia. The mm -hmm. first one is from um, the, I want to say play, but it might be originally a film. No, it was originally a play. Serrano de Bergerac um, <laughs> from Serrano. Um, he said, a large nose is the mark of a witty, courteous, affable, generous, and liberal man. Uh -huh. <laughs> very ambitious. Um, and uh, Kurt Vonnegut said, my nose, thank God, had conked out by then. Noses are merciful that way. They will report that something smells awful. If the owner of a nose stays around anyway, the nose concludes that the smell isn't so bad after all. It shuts itself off, deferring to superior wisdom, which I think is what we were just talking about as well. <laughs> um, and the last one is from Robert Browning, who said, any nose may ravage with impunity a rose. Lovely. That's a great yeah. one to end on. Uh, thank you, Cruz. Thank you very much. My nose will never be the same again after this discussion. Seriously, <laughs> I appreciate it and I will look after it. Okay, yeah. take care till next week. Take care. See bye -bye. you then. Bye-bye.